This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Just a content warning before we start this week's show, we do discuss themes of child sexual abuse, particularly George Pell and Michael Jackson. If this brings up any issues for you at all, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. And welcome to the Millennial Divide. We are a couple of sisters, a mate, and a baby again. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? Do you remember um, Three Men and a Baby? A baby? Yeah. Remember yes. that film? Yeah. Like we're a bit like that each week. Yeah, we yeah. get thrown in there. Yeah. yeah. Three women and a baby. Three women and a baby. I've currently got a baby sitting on my lap, and it's not mine. I know. Yeah. It's different. Oh, yeah. Just multitasking. M- Amazing. Just kind of mixing it up. So I'm Amy. I'm 37. I'm back for another week, which it's a real it's a real week by week proposition at the moment. People say, "How are you have, doing the podcast while you've got a baby?" And I'm like, "I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know either. It's, it's very impressive. It is only just held together with like this." flimsiest piece of string. And with the help of wonderful friends. And an amazing supportive husband. Best decision you can make in life, women or men, choose your partner wisely (laughs) so that they can actually, you know, be helpful and do, oh, we just lost a dummy. Not mine. Um, But yeah, choose your partner wisely. I think it was Sheryl Sandberg who said Mm. that. That is the the ticket. She's got a whole chapter on it in her book. Exactly. Mm. One teacher I worked with, I'm Claire, by the way, I'm 33, (laughs) and I am a friend, not a sister. Um, But someone I used to work with said to me once, marry a nerd, and I've done that, and I feel like it served me really well. Yeah. (laughs) What was their reasoning for marrying a nerd? Oh, because they're very loyal (laughs) and very stable and sensible. Yeah, and then they have interests that keep them in the house. Oh, that actually is a really good element as well. Oh, yeah, correct. And I've done that and then and I've got a good one. Yeah. I'm I'm Ellen, I'm thirty three and it's my baby on Amy's lap currently looking She's at my me. niece, so She's, that's okay. She's part of the family. So we've got lots to talk about today and so we'll jump right in. I mean in breaking news. We record on a Wednesday, as we've said before, and we this obviously comes out on a Friday. In breaking news, we've just found out that Cardinal George Pell has just been sentenced. So we will talk about that very briefly because there's lots that we've already covered on this, but it is worthy of a quick uh, discussion. We'll also talk about Captain Marvel and somehow link it to a little primary school in queue. <laughs> so I look forward to hearing how we're going to do that. Um, Brexit. What the hell? We don't even know where to start, but Tonsk, producer Claire's back and she is going to talk us through she it all. She is across it. I am going to give it a go. She's going to give us the 101 on Brexit. We are going to talk recommendations and we're going to talk working mums, which we're not going to always talk about mum stuff at the moment, but it is 
top of mind for now. And this show is one on Netflix, which we've all had a little giggle at, and we'll talk through what we all thought. And finally, Claire will finish us off with a bit of chat about community and where we stand and how we're evolving as a society at the moment. All right, so let's kick off, ladies. All right, so just in breaking news, George Pell um, has been sentenced today. Uh, It's just been announced as we record this episode, so that'll give you a bit of a giveaway as to what time we record. Um, He has been sentenced to six years for sexually assaulting two choir boys and will serve a minimum of three years and eight months before he gets parole. Um, Justice Kidd, who was the judge in the case, said that these crimes were very serious. Um, You may not live to be released from prison, that the cardinal's sexual offending involved physical aggression and venom and displayed staggering arrogance. He's also been shown to have no remorse, but he completely denies allegations, so I guess that fits. And Judge Kidd said it was by no means a minor indecent act. Um, So he said that this is a, an adequate time. Now, early commentary as we go to where this is very, this is literally just breaking. Early commentary is this is not the toughest sentence. Little baby disagrees. <laughs> um, but equally, it's not a light sentence. So it's probably somewhere in the middle. And just Judge Kidd um, made the comment that he tried to keep uh, the notoriety of the case out of the, this and, and give him a fair trial. And, and he noted that there has been a bit of a witch hunt, but mm. that it still is a very serious crime. Yeah, there's an interesting quote by him in his sentencing, and he says, in sentencing you today, I'm not seeing judgment of the Catholic religion or the Catholic church. It is George Pell who falls to be sentenced, which I thought was interesting that a lot of the commentary around it has been, oh, well, he's just the fall guy for the Catholic church and that they're going to punish him for the failings of the Catholic church. So he's really separating that. Yeah, I mean, what do you both think? Do you think this, now that he's sentenced, this puts this argument to bed of John Howard and Tony uh, Abbott and others who um, just basically say, well, he, he didn't do it, he's a scapegoat and now he... Um, oh, well, see, my understanding is he's going to go to appeal. Mm. So even though he's been sentenced, um, he's still obviously proclaiming his innocence. Therefore, I think John Howard and Tony Abbott will still be yep. backing him in his innocence as well, which I, I think is... Or as a character, as someone that they couldn't imagine doing these Mm. acts. And I think that's quite a staggering thing to come out and say, Mm. really. I mean, how can you know? How can can you know? And then what you're saying is you have little faith in our justice system as former Prime Ministers of Australia. That's what gets me. It's it's all very well to say, oh, well, we don't know until the appeal. Well, that's what a, a jury court case is about that we do know actually and that we hopefully trust in that system. And it's not just one. It's gone to trial twice yeah. and plus it's gone through committal hearing. There are mm. so many levels that it's had to mm. jump through mm. to get to this yeah. point. And, I mean, I think about, I mean, even just the really high profile case of Michael Jackson and the um, Leaving Neverland yeah. documentary that's mm. just come out recently and he went to trial for child abuse allegations and was found innocent. Mm. And this was quite a few years ago. But, you know, so often as we found, trials like this happen and um, there may be a lot of circumstantial evidence or for whatever reason they don't get convictions. Mm. So the fact that he's being convicted, there must be a lot in the victim's testimony that we obviously Mm. aren't privy to. Mm. So, yeah. That no one outside the courtroom is privy to. Like journalists haven't been. It was only the jury and the Mm. judge. So... 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm, it's interesting because I really, I mean, it's obviously, <laughs> apologies for <laughs> this little, yes, our little friend here is agreeing. Um, it's still really challenging yeah. to view someone like George Pell go into, say, for example, the Roman Centre and think about him in jail. I actually, even though I have absolute confidence in the legal system and I have great empathy for the victims, I cannot imagine what they've been mm. through. As a human, anyone going through jail time, it really, mm. I find it quite just It's confronting. It yeah. is really confronting to think of an elderly man, nearly mm. in his 80s or 80s, whatever he is, going into a prison system mm. when you know bad stuff's going to happen. I I find that even though with everything, it's just, I don't know, I I really have grave difficulty with that as well. Even Yeah. yeah. Do you think it is also about how powerful he was Mm. and the kind of standing he had in the community to go from being one of the most powerful Catholics in the world, and I mean Australia is 25% Catholic, so I would would hazard a guess to say one of the most powerful men Mm. in Australia, particularly very persuasive and very influential, to then fall so far. Yeah. Even if it's for a month, even if the appeal comes through and he, Mm. you know, the conviction doesn't stand, the kind of watching that image of him walking through even the journalist to go into court, gosh, it's a confronting sight, isn't it? Mm. I mean, look, I obviously stand with the victims. Oh, exactly. That's why it's confusing, yeah. It's so confusing, but Mm. you're right. There's a lot of emotion Mm. flying around about it, Mm. definitely. Okay, we won't give it any more time because we have given it heaps of time, but um, certainly a major development and one that we'll continue to watch, particularly for the appeals process. Because we go high and low, we're going to move right along to Captain Marvel. I can take this high. Yeah, (laughs) I I know. I can bring in a very highbrow argument for this. Okay, great. Well, I actually know nothing about Captain Marvel, so you're going to have to start at the beginning, Elle. Okay, so Captain Marvel follows the tale of Carol Danvers. And it's as she becomes the universe's most powerful hero when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Reading that, yeah, you don't have I'm me. out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm so far out. In fact, I've physically withdrawn. <laughs> Captain Marvel is played by Brie Larson, who I love. She won the Best Actress Academy Award for Room. Oh. If you've ever seen that, she's in Trainwreck as the sister. She's a real chameleon. And I, after the movie, I was going back through some of her movies and I was like, what has she done? She has done a real range of movies. So there doesn't seem to be a plan. There's not one genre that she's across, which I love. It also stars um, Samuel L. Jackson, Annette Benning, Ben Mendelsohn, an Australian, Jude Law. Um, and Lashana Lynch, who plays her friend Maria. So it's a great cast and it's based on a Marvel comic. So, you know, that's kind of the background. But what can I ask? Yeah. Is that the same as the Marvel Stadium in Victoria, the sports Well, that's ground? sponsored by Marvel. Oh, it is. Comics. Oh, yes. there you exactly. go. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. my knowledge of so Marvel. it's all okay. the Avengers. The Avengers are oh, the huge Marvel okay. franchise that uh, just keep churning out more and more and more and more. Mm, so okay. she's going to be coming back for the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. That's already slated. But what's so huge about this is that um, we've had Wonder Woman before with Gail Gadot. And which was a great kind of female-led um, superhero movie, but this one just takes it to another level. They are unashamedly feminist. Oh. The whole movie is all about female empowerment, 
females having the strength and the knowledge and the smarts to do anything. And I've just bloody loved it. I got <gasps> so excited because normally, you know, my I go to, I like the superhero movies. I don't mind them. But going to this with my husband, I actually teared up in one oh, of the scenes. really? Which I never do. I never really, I'm not a real quiet crier, but I think having two daughters and maybe being sleep deprived, there's, it's not giving anything away. So there's this scene where all the young, younger carols, it shows all the time she's fallen down in her life and crashed off go-karts and fallen off trees and all that kind of stuff. And they all rise together and stand up and try again. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, to have my daughters see this on screen and see such a powerful female um, superhero to emulate, it just got me so excited. Oh. So I loved it. I can't wait. And I can't believe I haven't seen it. I because this is haven't. my husband James's. <laughs> it's your bread and butter. Wheelhouse. This is my bread and butter. <laughs> this is what this is what makes our living mostly at the moment. Not Captain Marvel, but the whole kind of universe. I even have sneakers that are Captain Marvel oh. themed. We got sent by vans. But I haven't got to see it. Just lots of things have happened and we that's what James has and he loved it. Mm. And he's got some great reviews of the movie actually yeah. on Mr. Sunday Movies and then he also talks about it on his podcast, The Weekly Planet, I'd... in depth in a much more analytical <laughs> way than I ever could. <laughs> what I find really interesting is that she is actually, I think, the most powerful figure yeah. in that universe, yeah. which is to huge. people, nerds, yeah. like my husband, <laughs> massive. Yeah. It's huge. It's yeah. so huge. And to see... That kind of film come out now on the back of exactly Wonder Woman as well. I mean, I got teary in Wonder Woman, which sounds yeah. kind of silly. You will absolutely ball in this because okay. it is it just fills you up with such pride and it's co-directed by a woman. Uh, a lot of the writers are women and it's also so far has been the second highest grossing movie of 2019 oh. and it's earned $456 million Amazing. worldwide. It's only been out like a week. Yes. Commercial and success yeah. as well as yep. having a good yeah. message. What's, what's been oh. awesome is that that has totally shocked the trolls who tried to kill it with reviews on Rotten Tomatoes before it even came out. Oh. So Rotten Tomatoes have now put in this thing saying you can't review something before it's come out because all these trolls were just kind of saying, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible when they hadn't even seen it. Um, so, you know, I guess that's the sweetest revenge is success. Yeah. So, and Brie Larson's just, she brings such humour and intelligence to the role and she's a fabulous actress but she's also, if you follow her on Instagram, oh, my God, her training, she pushes a Jeep uphill. That's part of Wowzers. her training. She is so strong and so powerful and my husband made the good point. He said, yeah, she has to show that because she has to prove that she can be the most powerful superhero. I thought, oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's part of the marketing of look what I'm doing to prepare for this role. So I, I think I'd go see it again and I'm so excited to see how she comes into the Avengers movies too. I think it would be really exciting. But what Amy mentioned about a link to... <laughs> A little primary school in a Melbourne suburb. But why I kind of made the link was in this primary school, the girls have just kicked up a bit of a stink because they realised that they were never allowed to play on the oval, that the boys were always playing football and soccer and they were getting kicked in the head with balls and there was no space for them. So they've advocated to the school to allow, you know, some changes like create soccer nets so that the balls don't fly everywhere and have a protected space for the gymnastics. And I just... The reason I kind of made this connection was similar to what happens in Captain Marvel. It's just women starting to have a voice and things happening. 
like it just doesn't go into the ether anymore. I feel like women are saying something now and men sometimes on their behalf and something is happening with it and I'm just so excited because I think, wow, if my girls are coming into that world, I'm getting pretty excited. Yeah, Yeah. I must say that was such a light bulb moment for me, this little school in Kew, um, Victoria, Australia, which suddenly the girls, shock horror, can now wear shorts. (laughs) Who would and have runners. It? And runners. They can change their sneakers shoes to sneakers. Lunch. And they have access to the oval. Now, not that they didn't, but mm. I remember growing up, that was mm. the problem. You yeah. couldn't um, play on the oval very easily because there would always, in an Australian oval, on an Australian yeah. uh, playground, you will have footies, footballs yeah. flying through the air and, yeah. and hurting you. So you wouldn't. And what there's a couple of elements that I wanted to unpack with this one. One is that they were the the children were inspired, both boys and girls, after they had a visit from the AFLW player Libby Birch. So A, I thought, great, we're starting to see role modelling happening and what a women's league in footy can do. And even though these children don't want to play football, mm. they want to do gymnastics yeah. on the on the same ground. But they've been given a voice. They've been given a voice and they're seeing strong mm. athletic women that they look up to. So that was the first thing. The second thing is that um, two of the children were the daughters. I think that helps. A daughter and son, I think, of a woman called Prue Gilbert. Now, shout out to Prue Gilbert. She does great work. She runs an organisation called The Grace Papers Mm. and they really help um, empower women to return to work. They help men to take parental leave. Mm. They're just about creating a more equal workforce. They work with... Balance for better, some might say. Yes, very much (laughs) aligned with with the International Women's Day Day, um, (laughs) campaign this year. But really practical tips. If you want to check it out, gracepapers.com.au. We'll put in the show notes and we'll do a shout out on Insta about her. Um, but then equally, I read a uh, study that came out in the States and look, everyone makes their choice. And I don't want this to be all about every woman should work because mm. we all know you've all got your scenario and situation and what, whatever works for you. Mm. But what one thing that was interesting was that there was this massive study that came out in the States, 100,000 people at, at viewed and it looked at the outcomes for little girls and little boys of um, women who worked and one of them was that um, women that daughters grew up to have higher incomes and more senior jobs and boys grew up to do more housework. Oh wow. Yeah so just this win-win. Yeah Yeah. phenomenal outcome and huge meta study and I just thought well this is interesting we're starting to see all of these germs of Mm. you know probably 30-40 years of feminism Mm. finally starting to play Um, and it links to there's a great uh, Netflix documentary at the moment called Feminists, um, mm. Where Have They Come From or Where Are You or something yeah. like that, um, that looks at the feminism of the 70s and how it really planted the seeds for where we are now. Yeah. And I think I, I agree with you, Elle, it's sort of the Captain Marvel joining with this mm. um, zeitgeist. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird link but it I can is. make no, it. <laughs> but, no, because I think that there's often that whole idea that you can't be something you can't see. Yes, yes you know? absolutely. And guys just get this wealth. And I talked about this with James when I saw Wonder Woman. Yeah. I just hadn't realised that I hadn't seen strong women on yeah. screen be the protagonist, be in yeah. charge of her own narrative, not be there to be the romantic sidekick. Yeah. 
And I just hadn't seen that growing up Mm. very much at all. I mean, I loved Xena Warrior Princess, which was probably (laughs) the only superhero I could possibly imagine as a child. And so guys just have this wealth of them. They're everywhere. Mm. Everywhere they look, they fall over Mm. and there's one. All the animal characters in storybooks even, mostly dudes, they're just by accident. So by default, the storyline has been men can do stuff and girls Women are there to be the love interest. Yeah, or be kind and empathetic and make people Which is what I love about Captain Marvel. Like she is a kick-ass fighter and she doesn't there's no love interest in it you know there's a friendship with Samuel L. Jackson which is just hilarious and you know all of that but it's got none of that traditional kind of even with um Scarlett Johansson's character there's that in the other Avengers movies the Black Widow there's that kind of you know a bit of a love interest and stuff like that there's none of that which is wonderful so I all right, implore Do yourself a favour. Give some money to this movie so they make more. Yeah, it's Really, even if you don't love it, give some money. Because mm. isn't it the commercial success Absolutely. of films like this, films yep. like Black Panther, yep. that then go to go to show execs, no, it's a, it's a smart business decision. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, go out there and support it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Okay, so we're going to try and succinctly do this next one. And there's a lot here, so we'll do our best. But tons. Brexit. What the hell? All I know is that that's Britain plus exit. Okay. And I presume from somewhere. Talk us through. Where does Britain want to go? Okay. So Brexit, what is it and why is it such a big deal for everyone, including people like us who don't live in the EU or UK? So one of the world's most powerful blocs, the European Union, is about to lose one of its biggest members. And the deadline for Britain leaving is March 29th, apparently. So not very far away at all. Poor British Prime Minister Theresa May is at the helm of this disaster. So Brexit. Talk about a glass shelf. She is flying down that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Brexit really obviously it means Brexit, Britain exit. In June 2016, let's go back a little bit, an incredible decision was voted on in a bitterly fought referendum supported by the likes of Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage. The vote for the referendum was for Britain to leave the EU and it was just voted yes at 52%. So according to Forbes magazine, this was due to a belief that the UK would benefit economically as Britain's economy was has stagnated. The second reason was that there was a rise in nationalism, which we have seen all over the world. And the third thinking behind why they voted yes to leave the European Union was a vote against the British elite. 
So really, voters thought politicians, business leaders and intellectuals had lost their right to control the system and they wanted to really show them the finger, (laughs) to put it in not very smart political terms. So, But after the referendum, wasn't there like a real increase in what is Brexit for Google yes, search results? Yes, correct. It was one of the highest things searched on Google. So, people, so it's clear, obviously, that people didn't really understand yeah. in a practical way mm. what it meant for Britain to leave the EU. So that was, was three just an years ago. FU. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Exactly. So for months and months, the UK and the EU have been trying to hammer out a divorce deal, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out this stuff is really hard to undo. I mean, being married for 45 years, <laughs> it's a long time. So finally, after more than two years of wrangling, Theresa May came up with a draft agreement, which she then put for a vote in January, and British lawmakers soundly rejected it. It was the biggest defeat for any UK government in the modern parliamentary wow, era. Wow. Ever. I know. So everyone they really just didn't said, like it. No, they really, really didn't like it. Okay. Okay, so the biggest sticking point to that deal was the Irish hard border. The Republic of Ireland is in the EU, Mm. but Northern Ireland is actually a part of the UK. Very complex history, won't go into all of that. So right now, people and trade move between the two nations with ease, really easily back and forth, and that's the problem just across Europe in general. At the moment, because Britain is part of the EU, there's just all these minute little borders and details Mm. and people moving ships and and trade. Everyone just moves freely and it all works. Everyone's kind of ironed out the kinks. Um, So there's big fears now that this is just going to throw everything into Mm. chaos. Absolutely. Mm. So normally it would require what's so-called a hard border to move between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. And a hard border is scary. It's checked points, it's border crossings, it requires more infrastructure. And this could seriously slow trade and other economic activity. So Irish politicians also fear a hard border could escalate tensions Mm. in an already really volatile space in Mm. Ireland. I mean, it's really complicated, all of this stuff. Mm. That's just Ireland. That's not (laughs) any of the other relationships they've got with France or Germany. Oh, God. So what next? Starting on March 12th, the British Parliament began voting on three scenarios. Whether the UK leaves the EU under the same withdrawal agreement that May's government drafted in January that they voted down. The second is whether it leaves the EU without a deal at all, which, scary, or whether it votes to postpone Brexit yet again. Okay, it's been three years, right, so oh far, and it's God. left. Gee, that three years has really flown, though, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. <laughs> I would have yeah. said it was like six months ago. I know, right? I feel yeah. I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that people in Britain probably feel like it's been dragging them forever. I'm sure, yeah. And, yeah. and you could say, as you were saying, they can just leave without a, a deal. But BBC was saying that if they leave without a deal, food retailers have warned of shortages of fresh produce and the NHS is stockpiling medicines in case mm. supplies from EU countries are interrupted. Like yeah. this is major it's serious stuff. I was watching. Some and how is Grand Designs going to cope? Because they always get Romanian builders. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was watching the seven thirty report last night, and there were talks about how ships who have specific trade deals set up with trade yeah. um, could leave the dock, and on the 29th of March, if the vote comes through, yeah. they might just then have to turn around because they have no idea where they're going to be able oh to go gosh. and what the is going to be legal and, for them oh to goodness. be able to do in British what a waters. Shemuzzle. Yeah. I know. So Tuesday, which on the time of recording is basically today, Mm. now, it just happened um, in Britain, um, has been the biggest moment so far of the week. So the UK Parliament voted against Theresa May's EU deal 
under the same agreement that went down in flames in January. Mm -hmm. So under that proposed plan, the UK would have stayed inside the um, EU single market and still be subject to EU laws and regulations until the end of 2020. So things would kind of stay relatively the same and sort of until 2020. But that was turned down in not quite as big a vote, but still 149 votes against it. So still significant. Hmm. So that means that tomorrow morning, Britain will vote to leave the EU without a deal at all. Wow. I know. Which brings all that complexity and then where do they stand? Correct. And so, I mean, most people are saying that it is very unlikely that they'll vote to say we'll leave with no deal because that basically means that the UK will be subject to World Trade Organisation terms Mm. and it'll just be political chaos. Mm. There'll be no, nothing set up, no infrastructure or any kind of guidelines. So Mm. everyone's hoping that that'll just be voted down as well. So this is a stalemate. Yeah, they can't go much. forward, they can't go back. Yeah, and so Thursday the lawmakers will vote on whether they want May to ask for a delay. Mm. So that's kind of the one that's very contentious but looks like it's most likely to happen. So at the moment it's all just throwing everything into chaos. I guess what I wanted to ask was I, we don't live in the UK. I mean we obviously mm. have British sovereignty mm. but why should we be concerned? And this is why. So this is from CNN and also Forbes. If you're a European national, obviously, you have the most to lose on so many fronts. Just under half of the UK's exports go to the EU. Just over half of its imports come from the other 27 nations in the bloc. And all of that means it'll be up for renegotiation and think about the diplomacy of that Mm. as well. If you're getting your food, like you Mm. were saying, what are they going to do? Whenever Europe's done something useful on that front, the UK, a serious military power, has often been in the driver's seat, and this is talking about diplomacy on a global scale. Mm. So what are the other countries in the EU going to do? If you're in the US, some in the United States worry that an unravelling of the union, a vital ally, will unleash more instability globally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is all Just very what heavy we stuff. need. <laughs> Just what we need at a pretty scary yeah. time. And if you're any other nation, the UK has the fifth biggest national economy in the world. So that's for us. You think of the effect Brexit will have on the world's markets. Because mm. hmm. markets love stability. So... What a time to be alive, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Tons, because that has been a really informative summary of where we're at because I think it has been dragging on for so long and there have been so many little elements and facets to it that it's hard to get your head across the, the whole picture. Mm, yep. So that's really helpful. And I think, you know, you can see it in everyday life. You know, mm. even Dimity going over to Dim's in Europe. I don't think we've actually revealed where she is in the world, but she's <laughs> in Europe and she's uh, attempting to go and do some work over there. Mm. And they're starting to change... Um, working visas mm-hmm. and the uh, the types of the the ease of passage that used to be there are starting to diminish. So mm-hmm. you're already starting to see the world become a bit harder to yeah. move between and it feels inherently um, contrary to the evolution, the, the uh, progression of society and the globalisation that we all rely on so heavily um, yeah. that we're going to be in this point where a this was made in a moment of time in 2016 where the world was yeah. very much wanting a isolation. Nation. Yes. Mm. And a- nationalism. Yes. And I think this is what it is. It's that growing sense of nationalism. Mm. And, and it was yeah. huge um, refugee crisis, as there still is, but it was all in the news and Germany and, Trump you know, was elected that Trump year. Trump was elected. And I think particularly in Australia it's 
also really hard for us to imagine sharing so many borders with other countries yeah. and the diplomacy that that has to um, involve because we're so isolated. We, you know, it's just us. You yeah. can drive to other states, but you can't drive into another country. Whereas, yeah, you go over to Europe and you're driving, you're like, oh, suddenly we're in France. Okay, that's yeah. good to know. So it's just, it's huge. It's huge. And what gets me, I think, as someone who as a teacher is down to the sort of minute logistics detail of just <laughs> organising people, just like... <laughs> Like on a day-to-day level, that is yeah. hard stuff. Mm. Just like getting people to understand what it is they need to do and the forms they need to fill out yeah. is a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine trying to do that on like the, what, 27 nations or however many yeah. are in the European e- Union and then each little agreement across each border for each official mm. will have to change. Yeah, like It'll be slightly different. Oh, goodness I must gracious. say I'm no fan of Theresa May, but I do feel for her. Oh, she don't looks you. like a broken woman. Oh, <laughs> you need a good holiday after Yeah, this. I was thinking, yeah. why would you do that job? That job looks oh, like the worst, the worst. job in the world. Is it that kind of trope where they often put a woman in, in a possible job? Yeah. So it's like, well, see, women yeah. can't do it. No, Fell off the cliff. No one it's could impossible. do that. But I don't know if like anyone else would want to do the job. No. This is the thing. No one would want that job. I, I would just love to see them do another vote. Yeah. And then mm. everyone just say, this is madness, let's just vote it yeah. down. But well, they've said that, but the Labor leader, Jeremy Corbyn, has said um, he's not ruled out getting behind another referendum, but he wants to explore other options such as toppling the government and forcing a general election first. <laughs> Brilliant. So, you know, let's Brilliant. just top of the government, then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, this is so <laughs> mm, Well, we'll keep you posted on our socials. So I didn't say at the beginning, but we'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Tell us on Insta. Tell us on our Facebook group. Send us an email. We love hearing about it, um, a DM through Insta. We do read them all. We definitely want um, to engage and contribute and have your, your thoughts. We will put up updates as they happen because this week is very big. Um, as we say, we, we do record on Wednesday, but we go to air on Friday. So by Friday, Australian time, there will be a number of updates on this part. So we will keep you informed and I uh, would love to hear your thoughts. And if you're planning a little uh, European vacay, love to hear where you're going. <laughs> All right. Okay. So thanks, Tons. That was really interesting. So going uh, again, we go high, we go low, we're going a bit low. Um, but a new series on Netflix called Working Moms, a uh, Canadian show, actually, yeah. not American. Interesting to see a Canadian show. Yeah. We don't really have get much. That many. No, we don't mm. don't get a lot over here in Oz. Um, so Working Mums, it's now into its third season. Um, it is currently on Netflix. It has written by comedian Catherine Reitman, who has appeared in things like Knocked Up, I Love You Man, um, How I Met Your Mother, Weeds. She is a mother of two, which is um, relevant to note because this is all about, you know, being a mum and working and whatever. Um, and she's created this comedic slash dark 20-minute <laughs> episodes that appear on Netflix. It's been nominated for five Canadian Screen Awards. Mm-hmm. And, and an Emmy. Oh, I've got an it's Emmy. It's an Emmy oh, nomination. right. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, so she's she's done a good job. Um, what have <laughs> we seen? What do we think? She's done a good she's job. She's all right. Well done. <laughs> you star. Yeah. She's well, what I found amazing about this was that Catherine Reitman, she's the creator, executive producer, writer, star. 
So, you know, she's, and she's got two little of, kids. And she's got two little kids. She's wearing a lot of hats. Mm. Um, it reminded me a lot of The Letdown. Mm. I don't know if you guys have did seen it, that on yeah, ABC, I feel like which it did is too. brilliant and has that very typical Australian dry sense of humor, yeah. which you also get in this. That should come with a warning don't watch when you have a newborn. <laughs> um, yeah, do not I watched one episode and my husband walked in as I was watching half of it. He just goes, What the fuck are you watching? <laughs> Turn that off because yeah. it is too. Real. My husband said the yeah. same thing. He's like, this is not funny. No. This is documentary. This is our life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially when she was out there um, sidebar in the letdown. In the first episode, she's out there in a dark car park tr- having to buy um, ice <laughs> just to keep because she's out there trying to get a baby asleep. <laughs> and I was like, I would buy ice too if that kept my baby <laughs> not asleep. we're advocating drugs. No, with. or ice. We're, yeah, we are no. not advocating any drugs. In no. fact, I'd throw it away. But if it kept my baby asleep, I would do whatever it took. <laughs> anyway, yes, so... Working yeah. mums, very. It's got a it's, similar. It's very similar. Yeah. Um, but I really liked it. I watched the first episode where she goes back to work and she's got a pump, and then you know leave the baby with the nanny, and you know all of that mm. negotiation, and then she's still wanting to rise in her career and be competent and have great ideas, which she does, which I love. She's not a bumbling, um, you yeah. know typical mum character. It's like, oh, I forgot how to do this. She's She kicks ass and she's got great ideas. So I'll keep watching. I liked it. Tons, mm. you're a working mom. <laughs> I Look, I liked it too. I found that maybe similar to the letdown, <laughs> maybe to be too close to yeah. home still. I don't know. I much prefer RuPaul's Drag Race because it's oh. not related at all to my life. <laughs> I so, don't know that one. Oh, oh, it's so funny. It's ridiculous. Anyway. A drag queen. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, RuPaul, RuPaul. RuPaul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, yep. So, but I but I really enjoyed it. I mm. thought it was very funny. I, I liked the mother's group and yeah. the kind of vibe in the mother's group. I thought that was lovely. And I just thought it's just refreshing to see mm. women of different ages mm. and just be out there and just looking at what it, the reality is of mm. being a mum and trying to also have a career and do what you need to do. Mm. I thought that her boss as well, when she yeah. first goes back yeah. to work, you could see that conversation happening where yeah, she's yeah. trying to be like, oh, I'm fine, everything's yeah. fine, nothing's changed here, and he's trying to be all sort yeah. of funny, yeah. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I, I it did put me off a little bit because I'm not returned to work yet, and I just it just looked like hard yeah, work. That was yeah. what it got me. Yeah, it looked tiring and difficult. Yeah. And because she actually does the same job as me, and I'm just <laughs> like, yeah. oh, that's hard. <laughs> but you know, it's it's early least, days. Yeah, it's early days. <laughs> just gonna get some more sleep. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Cool. So. Tons, community. Mm. You wanted to talk, something that's been plaguing you a little bit of recent times is how our communities are changing and where we're at right now as a society. Talk us through that. It's been something on my mind at the moment just because I think that human beings are designed to live in community and I do a little bit of research and it's true. We grew from a species that needed community as necessity so that we would survive. And I think that in the way that we live now, I've noticed people sort of are on their phones a lot, everyone's working Mm. so much, they don't always talk to their neighbours and I think it's not very good for us. And so I was talking to another girl that lives in my community and we were talking about how 
we, I think, need to build our communities again. Mm. And I think the only way it's going to happen is if we who live in them actually actively get out there and talk to people and build things and have community events and introduce our kids at the playground. And mm. and, and I do it intentionally. Yeah, and do it intentionally mm. because I think it was something that used to be there because mm. out of necessity in a way everyone relied on each other for news, for mm. com- companionship. Now we have Netflix. Yeah. You know, it's... It's different. What do you think? Um, I did some research on this and what I found fascinating was uh, the general social survey found that the number of Americans with no close friends has tripled since 1985. So people are getting more and more isolated, like you said, and the study by the Office of National Statistics found that those between 16 and 24 felt lonely more often than other age groups. So often you think about, you know, as you kind of get more isolated, maybe a bit more elderly and stuck in your house that you might get a bit more lonely. Mm. It's actually the 16 to 24-year-olds who are. Um, But what was really interesting that a Forbes report found that World of Warcraft players experience less social anxiety and less loneliness when online than in the real world. So I guess interesting. Yeah, if you're naturally maybe an introvert, you love online because you can be yourself, you can find your tribe, you can connect with people in that way. But maybe if you're naturally an extrovert or an ambivert, which I like to think I am, a little bit of both, um, you do need to get off your phones and go and meet people in real life, which, yeah, as you said, I think I feel like I've got a really good community at the moment. I think it's from walking because I'm in a city. I walk a lot. I go to my local cafe, I go to the park, I go to childcare and I run into everybody all the time. I think if I was in my car all the time, I wouldn't. I really, I would find it hard to connect with people a lot more. So, yeah, I think just being out and about helps a lot. Mm, It does. I think it's about the structure of buildings, the structure of where we live. I mean, we moved somewhere specifically so that we could do that. Like we walk to the park, we can walk to the shop, Mm. we walk to the coffee place. And that means you're naturally it's better for you, you're walking more, mm. but also exactly all that incidental yep. seeing Where you people. go, oh, hi, how are you going? Oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, okay, well, let's catch up. You know, it's as quick as that and that's how you build relationships. Whereas if you don't have those incidental meetings then you never build a deeper mm. connection with people, exactly. I think. Yeah, I think I totally agree. I, I was commenting on this. It's been uh, I'm really feeling it at the moment, I guess because mm. I'm home more. You're in your house a lot. You yeah. Know, it's hard with the mm. newborn. It is. And we haven't I haven't started the different yeah. social mechanisms yet that kick in normally once you have a kid. But I've also come to realise I, I did used to live in a different suburb and we did have this amazing sense of community, which I now just totally took for granted mm. and can now realise now that I don't have it, um, that it's uh, so important when you've got it and so helpful, you know, just mm. have that sense of um, someone you could call on who's just nearby or someone you can just have a quick chat to when you just have this, you know, connection. Mm. And I do agree. I think um, it's a combo. There's definitely the tech part and there's a number of entrepreneurs. Jessica Alter um, is a sort of angel investor and tech entrepreneur who was out recently. She helped mobilise people to try and vote in Hillary Clinton. Mm. She's recognised the dearth of community through the tech community um, and she lives in um, San Francisco and is trying to use uh, tech for social interactions and good. So there are a number of sort of tech entrepreneurs starting to make this shift. So tech is one, but I do agree with you, Tons, that I think we've got to make a bigger effort. Mm. I think we've got to get out of our asses a little bit um, because 
Having moved to a new suburb, I've been staggered by, we've, we've had one lovely neighbour who's made a real effort, but really that that is it. And Have you been approaching people though? Um, I try and say hello yeah. and smile and um, start. Engage, yeah. And I don't get mm. much. Mm. I really don't get much. And, and so that, then I pull back and think, oh, mm. well, I won't yep, do that. Do that again. Um, yep. And it's... Yeah, it's it's become increasingly worrisome mm. to me that we are not putting ourselves out there. We're mm. all so busy. Yeah. We're be- and I think people are just trying to survive a bit mm. um, and they don't have time to think about the community or the people who are joining them or leaving mm. and so forth. Mm. And I don't – and I think it isn't – you know, there's everyone always then turns to, well, what's the government doing or what's local <laughs> council doing or what mm. – no, this is about personal us. responsibility. Mm, and yeah. I hear I'm going to make more of an effort. Mm. I've said it here. I'm going <laughs> to. But I will, I will make more of an effort to, um, you know, form those relationships locally. Yeah. I think they're really critical. And I think they take time. You know, we've been back at our place. We moved away for a bit, but we've been back for maybe four, four years now. And we are just getting to that very, I'd call it friendships rather than neighbours. You know, we went to across the road the other weekend and had a um, a drink on a Friday night and all the kids were playing and um, we're getting to that point now where we know them really, really well. Um, but that's taken about four years. I think it takes time, particularly when it's incidental. You're not seeing, they're not work friends. You're not seeing them every day. You're not catching up every day. You're catching them here, there, everyone's running. Oh, I've got the shopping, I've got this. And um, there's been a number of instances I left my pram on the side of the road and I called one of my neighbours to say, can you pick it up? I'm at the supermarket. I left it out. <laughs> and, you know, those things that build trust. Yeah. Um, and that connection, I think that takes time. Yeah. And you have to be in one place, which millennials are not, as we've spoken about before. They're moving. Yeah. But I do think that's got something to do with it, that renters – if you're moving in and out all the time, it's hard to build a sense of community, I think. Yeah, and I, I totally hear that because I think, oh, you're right. And, Amy, give yourself some time. Mm. I reckon the longer that you're in a place, the more incidental Absolutely. stuff happens. And I think initially I know for me when I had a newborn, I was in real struggle town and I could not have even said hello to my own mum sometimes <laughs> when she got to the door. <laughs> so the idea of getting out of the house and being like, hi, I'm yeah. Claire, let's be yeah. friends was just like... <laughs> So beyond, far beyond yeah. what I could manage to do. Like having a shower was a big deal. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's that takes that time and mm. slowly as you get to know an area and it's starting to happen for us now, but we've been in our place for just over a year. Yeah. So it's starting to happen mm. now. But there is this beautiful girl that I met recently who came from New Zealand and New Zealand's just so like that. Everyone's <laughs> so you. full of community. So she just got chalking to me and, and then I watched her make friends with all these people at the coffee shop and I thought, yeah, why haven't I done that more? Yeah. Just to chat. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We're going to start a revolution. <laughs> Get to yeah. know your neighbour. And also all different types of ages. I think, yes. you know, it's not just about are you at home with kids. It's about mm. are you working and, you know, you're, you're only got an hour after work to have a quick, I don't know, whatever yeah. it is. I think let's Open really it support that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's been the Millennial Divide. Thanks for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, listen for free for free in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're actually being, we've been featured. put forward as one of the featured podcasts. No, it's yeah. very exciting. It is super exciting. As part of International Women's Day, Apple Podcasts are featuring inspiring women. And we are very extremely happy, overlay, 
overjoyed, overlated, <laughs> elated and overjoyed to be featured as part of their lineup of women uh, who are doing great podcasts. Shout out to some of the other women out there doing awesome stuff. So there's Chat 10 Looks 3, there's uh, Mamma Mia, Shameless, Shameless, name a few. So there's some great stuff happening there out in the world of podcasts. So thank you, Apple Podcasts, for doing that. And we will keep promoting. Um, we love the conversation. So keep joining in through Insta, through Facebook, at the Millennial Divide. Send us an. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. An email to themillennialdivide at gmail.com and we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.